Welcome to the Retirement Pilot with Steve Hoover. Please discard unnecessary fees and expenses before going through security. Check your emergency fund at the gate and securely stow your well-conceived portfolio in the overhead bin. And when we reach cruising altitude, remember, you are now free to move about retirement. Hey everybody, welcome into this edition of The Retirement Pilot with Steve Hoover and myself as we talk investing, finance, and retirement. And on this podcast, we're talking reasons why you never assume. Of course, we can do that a lot in life, but we're going to talk about this from a retirement standpoint, uh, some reasons we often see or some assumptions people often make and why it might be incorrect, especially in these times that we're currently in. And of course, as always, you got questions or concerns, reach out to Steve, give him a jingle about anything you hear on this show or any other that you've uh, been wanting to tackle and deal with when it comes to your retirement journey, 913-685-3207. That's how you can give him a call at the office. Or you can check him out online at wealthpartnerskc.com. That's wealthpartnerskc.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast as well, The Retirement Pilot, so you can get new episodes when they come out. Steve, what's going on, from my friend? How you doing? Doing great, Mark. How are you? Hanging in there, doing pretty good. Uh, reasons to never assume. You know what they say, right? When you make an uh, when you make an assumption, I won't say it, but you know what they say. Oh, yeah. I know. <laughs> so let's talk about this from a retirement standpoint. I got a couple of categories here. Give us a breakdown as to why it might not be a good idea just to assume, for example, that you'll spend less when you retire. Pretty classic statement, but uh, that's really shown to not be the case. COVID aside, for the most part, that's not been the case. It's not. I would say almost every single client that I work with wants to make sure they have the same standard of living that, that they had when they were working. And the reason somebody told me this years ago, he said, you know, I worked for 30 years at XYZ company and did pretty well. We were able to travel, we were able to do things, live a great life. Why in the world would I want to work 30 years, go to work every day, get my two weeks of vacation, deal with the office politics. And then when I can finally do what I want to do when I want to do it, do it halfway, meaning I only get to live on half of what I lived on when I was working. So my objective, his objective, he basically says, I want to be able to live the exact same lifestyle, meaning spend the same amount of money when I retire as when I was working. And that's what we work towards. And I would say most of the clients that I have, vast majority of them, that's what they do. They spend the exact same amount that they were spending when they were working. Now, caveat to that is as they get, you know, a little bit more mature, a little bit more a little older, say, let's say they're in their early 80s, then it starts to slow down. Then the traveling, then the things happen, health issues, things start to happen, or a death of a spouse or something of that nature. Right. I'm about and that's when their lifestyle starts to to trend down. But I would say for the first 10 to 15 years of their retirement life, they spend almost as much as they did when they were working. Now, right, yep. the other part is that tends to trend down, but as they get older in their mid-80s, then their spending tends to go up because medical expenses start to become a bigger part of their expenditures. So the idea that you'll spend less in retirement is not a good thing to assume. Assume that you're going to live the exact same way uh, or on the same amount of money as you're right. Yeah, I mean, because who wants to really go backwards, right? I mean, you you kind of want to continue the same type of lifestyle you had going into it, and you know you're going to want to get out and do some things again. COVID aside, right? You're going to want to get out and do, you know, all the things you've been waiting to do, and then when you're spending that kind of money, to your point, that will eventually transition to more doctors' visits and 
you know, so on and so forth. And yeah, there'll be Medicare and all that kind of stuff. But just, you know, making that assumption typically gets people into trouble. So if you budget and you plan accordingly, and then it does wind up being less, well, then you just wind up with a little extra you can deal with on the on the backside, which is not necessarily a bad thing. So it's a couple That's of ways. A couple That's of ways exactly how you have to look at it. Yeah, exactly. And and right along with that, you know, Steve, is that you'll if you're spending less, you're probably thinking, well, I'm bringing in less, so therefore my taxes will be lower when I retire. This is a long-standing old one that has been going around for a long time. Even with the tax rates really low like they are, Maybe right now that might be the case, you tell us, but I certainly don't think that's going to be the case in the future. I don't think it is. And one of the reasons that you can look to that is our growing national debt, which right now is darn near $30 trillion with a T, not a, not a B, T, trillion dollars. Oh, and the other part is we are running an annual deficit of over a trillion dollars a year. So in other words, we bring in $3.5 trillion a year in tax revenue but we spend $4.5 trillion a year. So it's just mind-boggling how much money we owe. And the issue I hear from some people is, I ah, don't worry about it. You know, we just roll over the bonds and we just, we just keep, you know, people keep buying it. We're still the biggest economy in the world, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, okay, I understand that. But you have to understand the other part is when we bring in that $3.5 trillion, it really only covers three areas of the budget that we have. It covers Social Security, Medicare, it covers the defense budget, and it covers the interest on the national debt. Right now, we're paying around $400 billion a year interest on our national debt. Now, that's obviously going to go up a little bit because of the amount of borrowing we've done to try to stimulate the economy and so on here lately. Mm -hmm. But what we're going to see is, is we're going to see, we're going to have to see higher taxes some way, somehow. Um, the Biden administration says anybody making under four hundred thousand doesn't have to worry about it. Okay, we'll we'll see how that works. Considering not many people make over four hundred thousand dollars a year, and you're not going to even if you find all those people, you can't tax all of their money. So they're going to have to look for ways to generate revenue, and it may not be quote on the the tax rates. Now we do know the tax rates are going up on January first, twenty twenty six. If the current rates we right now we have, they expire on December 31st of 2025 when we go back to what they were prior to 2017. Yeah, that's if they make no changes, which I just don't see happening. I think something happens right. before they're, them. They're going to have to. They have to raise revenue because no one in government wants to cut spending or the rate of growth in the spending. So it's going to catch everybody. And people are like, well, what about my social security? Well, and, and let me back up further. Who it's really going to get are people who have been disciplined, who saved well, who have managed their budget, have, have done it the right way. In other words, people who have, who have made a good living, who have saved what they needed to save, and now they're going to go ahead and start taking their Social Security. They've got a nice IRA they put together. They start living off that IRA. Well, if you hit certain income, levels, you're going to have to pay taxes on your social security. Right now, if you make over, if your modified adjusted gross income or provisional income, I should call it, is over $44,000 as a married couple, 85% of your social security is going to be taxable income. Well, all they need to do is change that, which they can do, and make, if your income is over 50000 of provisional income, all of your social security is subject to tax. So they don't have to, quote, raise the tax rates. All they have to do is start messing around with, with how much of your social security is going to get taxed. 
That's been floated around. Right now, we just don't know. I think what we're going to see here coming up this summer and, and fall, because they won't want to get it done now. They don't want to go into next year with tax law because that's an election year in 2022. So they really don't want to mess around with mm-hmm. um, yeah. tax law changes then. But they are going to raise taxes and it and taxes are going to be higher going forward just because of the numbers. And the other part is if inflation, and we were talking about this earlier, inflation is coming around and you can see that in the interest rates in bonds. As interest rates go up, that means inflation is out there as well. And if the Fed has to start raising interest rates to try to monitor, you know, bring down the growth of the economy, then that adds to our interest expense, which means that we have to borrow more money each year just to keep the government running. So we, we know <laughs> taxes are going up and they're not going to go up on people making 50 grand a year. They're going to go up on people who are making 80, 90, 100, 150,000 a year. Yeah. It's just going to have to happen because there's so many more people that make that kind of money that they have to go where the numbers are. And all they need to do is get a little bit out of everybody. They don't have to get an extra 10% out of everybody. They just have to get a 1% or 2% and they can start bringing some more revenue. Yeah. And I guess that's all just depends on, you know, where the, uh, you know, where the policies go and where the, I guess the, uh, the attack goes, supposedly, you know, they're going to try to do this wealth tax and some capital uh, gains on corporate, you know, the corporate thing that's some places like that they're trying to start. We'll see how it all trickles down, but I'm with you at some point, you know, if you're making over, I'd say if you're making over a hundred, you need to go ahead and start being prepared at least. Uh, you need to opinion. start taking advantage of yeah. certain things. In other words, you need to quit the, the I'm going to defer, 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 and start looking right. at the Roth if you can. Yeah. Because if they decide to shut those off, they at least grandfather them mm-hmm. and you've got yeah. enough money into them. Yeah. The other part is, this is the scariest piece of this whole thing to me, is they want to start taxing unrealized gain in certain people's portfolios. Oh, wow. That that is absolutely they now right now the proposal is anybody you know making over a million dollars a year they want to go ahead and tax their unrealized gains in their investment portfolios huh. well before you've actually but, got it they're going to take it yeah so in other words if you've done a good job you you let's say you bought tesla and you bought it at ten dollars a share whatever it was right now sure. it's you know thousands of dollars a share and you haven't sold it and they tax you on it, the gain at 20% because they want to raise the capital gains rate back up to 20%. Mm-hmm. And then what happens to Tesla? What happens 10 years from now or five years from now, it goes into the tank and, and you lost all your money, but you've been taxed on it previous. So that to me is, is where they're going. They are looking at everything. The other part is, keep this in mind, this is a when about, I kind of getting off base here on the taxes, but people have to look at this. They are looking to um, stop the ability of people in 401ks to um, take a tax deduction. So in other words, if you put $10,000 away in your 401k, your income is reduced by $10,000. They're looking to do away with that. They're looking to give you a flat tax credit on your taxes. And a tax credit is a dollar for dollar reduction in how much tax you owe. Well, that's not going to hurt people who are in the fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000 a year. That's actually going to be okay for them. But it's people who make 100, 200, 250, that tax credit is not going to cover how much they would have benefited from 
deferring part of their income. So they're looking at everything right now, I guess, is the, the word of warning for taxes. Not this year, but keep an eye out because they have to raise revenue no matter what. Very true. Very, very true. And so, I mean, those are just two big places to never make assumptions when it comes to, you know, just retirement planning in general and and getting those strategies kind of laid out. Uh, I've got two more here. This next one, I think, you know, we've definitely been seeing this over the last, well, for a while, actually, Steve, but, you know, we have a lot of people out there who feel like they've got to take care of their kids, their adult kids, even before sometimes saving for retirement. And if you go from the assumption of, say, at 50, you know, at 50, uh, you can start doing catch-up contributions. You can really start making a real dent in your retirement plans and putting some money away. Kids are off the payroll, ideally, so on and so forth. But we're actually seeing a lot of people still in their 50s worried about helping their kids and helping their kids financially. And that's a slippery slope because you have got to fund your future self. Absolutely. You, you have to, you, all you can do, well, I have two children. Um, who are both grown. And luckily, they're fully employed and and doing all right. You have to give them a good background of of a work ethic. And if they have a good work ethic, they're going to take care of themselves. But if you keep bailing them out, you're going to have problems because they're going to, they're they're just not going to have that work ethic. And, you know, it has to also, you know, I've seen people that say, oh, my, you know, my kids are getting ready to go to college. And, you know, a lot of people started families later. So they're, like you said, near 50. And their kids are running off to freshman year at a college and they're sending them to a private college. that's going to be 50, 60 grand a year. And they, they haven't saved any money. They don't have any way of pulling money out of savings to pay for it. So the parents either have to cash flow it and to cash flow an extra 50 grand out of your, your income. That's very difficult to do. Or they go out and borrow the money to put their kids through a, a, a very expensive private school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that that just puts you behind the eight ball as a future retiree because there you know some people you know want to shut it off at 65, you know, they want to have some flexibility. Not a lot of people don't want to retire, but they want flexibility that if they want to slow down, they want to change jobs. But if you've gone out and you've you've guaranteed these student loans on your on your children, oh my gosh, no way. You know, if they default on it, don't pay it, you're paying it. And you've just sacrificed your your lifestyle for for quite a while. So, yeah. it's a slippery slope of of doing it. And and my, you know, I was I was very fortunate with mine. And I'm not saying that I'm this is like everybody's. I was fortunate. My kids went in, went for four years. Both graduated within four years. And and I I did pay for it. And the deal I'll just tell you the deal I made with them was I'll pay for it, but you'll go to class, you'll make your grades. You get a degree that you can translate into something, uh, into a real job uh, when you get out. And if not, then you can pay for it. You know, my wife and I, we won't pay for it. And they said, we'll take that deal. And that's what they did. That was the deal I got from my dad. So the problem is, is some of these kids go into school for one or two years and they go to a high cost school and then they take on debt. Mom and dad are funding a part of it because they don't want to have all the debt. And then the kids drop out. Then they kind of bounce around from this school to this school, and they go six, seven years and never get a degree and have spent $180,000, $200,000 that somebody has to pay back. And that can just destroy a, um, a retirement plan because it has to be paid by somebody. And the kid who's just bouncing around working at XYZ, making $10 an hour, isn't going to be able to pay that. So it falls onto the parents. Yeah. And I, it just, I just cringe when I see that, when I see people with parents doing that. It's just, or the worst 
is going in and borrowing on your house to send your kid to college. Because oh, you don't want to have any house debt when you retire. And uh, it just drives me crazy. Yeah, I mean, and, and obviously we've seen so much happen with, even over the last several years, again, even before the COVID problem was that, you know, people are getting degrees, they're not using them, so on and so forth. And, you know, we all want to do the, you know, the best we can to get our kids on a leg up. But again, some at some point you do have to, you know, inward reflect and say, okay, you know, did I do my job and, and get them prepared as best I can? And at some point you got to let them sink or swim. And there's some, there's some life lessons in that too. I had an email question on a show a couple of days ago, uh, guy, you know, guy had his 27 year old son living with him and he's like, I, I think at some point I need to go ahead and kick him out. And it's like, yeah, you, you really kind of do. Um, you know, because you, I mean, why you're not giving him any incentive to leave. You're literally funding his entire life at some point, and I'm not saying that's the case for everybody, right? But, you know, when you want to try to help your kids, but you just have to be careful. Sometimes life lessons, tough love, all that good stuff. Because, you know, think about the opposite. If you turn around, you know, let's say that 27-year-old person, for example, or 25 even, you know, 15 years later, they've got a family, they're married, you know, they're trying to really do the normal things that, you know, they're trying to do it as a 40-year-old. And now you've got to lean on them as, you know, in your 70s because you spent all your retirement helping them when they were in their 20s, right? So, Got to be careful. Very cyclical kind of thing if you're not uh, if you're not watching that. Final one here, Steve, is the I'll never be able to retire assumption. Uh, most people back to that 50 comment. I think when they get, we get to 50, we start feeling like we're way behind. But the statistics kind of show that a lot of times people come in and they get that consultation and they find out they're actually in better shape than they thought and they can you know make some pretty good ground. Obviously, the sooner you start, the better, right? But it's not necessarily. Uh, I never be able to retire scenario just because, you know, you've gotten a slow start. And the interesting thing, and I've had this conversation with a number of clients that just a couple of months ago, I was talking to one who had the same deal and they have twins going off to college and they're in their early fifties. And I'm like, well, we just haven't saved much. And I said, most people, most people that I've, I've dealt with over the years have really started saving for retirement in their mid fifties. And the reason for that is they had children, um, maybe a little later in life, maybe in their late 20s, early 30s. Right. They have to raise them. If anybody out there single who doesn't have children, let me break it to you. Children are very expensive. (laughs) They are very expensive. And if you have one or two or three, they get very expensive. Not for college, just ongoing expenses from school supplies to activities to food to everything. They're expensive. But what happens is as soon as these kids get off and they're off, as you said earlier, off the payroll, now mom and dad can really start looking towards their future. And really people start putting away money in their early 50s to mid 50s. That's when the bulk of it really hits. That's when they can set aside an extra $10,000 this year because they're not spending it on little Johnny or little Judy. Okay. So for people to say, well, I'm in my early 50s and I'm way behind. Yeah, you probably are if you've had children. But don't fret. You have time to make that up, to put money away. You're not going to have as many expenses going forward. You can control them a little bit and start putting that money aside. So I tell people, never beat on yourself because you're 58 years old and you only have 100 grand saved. Well, unless you're planning on retiring the next five or six years, which most people aren't because life expectancy is into their late 80s, right. you have time. You have time to start putting money away you have the ability to manage your expenditures at this point because hopefully you don't have kids living at home. Right. And if you know you're going to want to retire early before 65 or 62, you know, then start earlier. The earlier you can, the better. Or be in a position financially to really, you know, 
crank up that fundage, but you know, it's all about having a good plan, a good strategy for what you're trying to accomplish and where you're at in life. And of course, that is one of the reasons why we do the podcast to share some good information. And if, if you've got a plan in place, you need a second opinion or you don't have one at all, it's always a good idea to check with a, a qualified professional like Steve Hoover, who's a financial coach at Wealth Partners Corporation. So we've given you some reasons why you just should never assume when you walk into retirement. And if you've got, uh, again, if you've got some more questions, just reach out to Steve, go to his website, wealthpartnerskc.com. That's wealthpartnerskc.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. You can find all that information there at the website. Or you can use your favorite podcasting app like Apple or Google or whatever. Just type in the retirement pilot in the search box and you can find it that way. Steve, my friend, thanks for your time this month. I appreciate it. I hope you have yourself a great uh, a great week or two and I'll talk to you pretty soon. Sounds great, Mark. Appreciate it. Thanks. We'll catch you next time here, folks, on The Retirement Pilot with Steve Hoover from Wealth Partners Corporation. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.